we serve more than just our, our end audience, right? Like we also have stakeholders and SMEs that are involved. And we also have our overall organization if you're full-time or our clients if you're freelance, right? And those people are important too. They're our audience too. And we so quickly forget about the metrics that are tied to what they need and what they're looking for. Hello and welcome to the Making Better podcast, where we talk about how to make better, whether that is better selves, better teams, or better organizations. If you are a business owner, a learning and development professional, a manager, or even an individual contributor in your organization, this show will give you actionable insights to help improve your own performance and the performance of those around you. Our guest today is none other than Dr. Heidi Kirby. Based in Cleveland, Ohio, Heidi is founder is co-founder of Useful Stuff, which you can find at getusefulstuff.com and host of the Block Podcast, which stands for Building, Learning, and Organizational Culture. She got her start as a college English professor and has since worked as an instructional designer for NASA and an L&D leader in the tech industry. She is passionate about helping aspiring learning and development professionals be their best and helping L&D teams become more inclusive and efficient. Today, we are going to talk about making training useful specifically by using metrics to make sure you are actually impacting the business. Before we get into that discussion, I need to remind everybody new to the show to make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a future episode. And if you are already subscribed, then I want to ask you to share this show with at least one other person because that is how we grow. I can't tell you how much it means to me. So with that, let's get started. Heidi, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. So I, you know, we've known each other for a few years now. I think we first got introduced when I I reached out to you to be on your podcast. Yeah. Um, so I have I've loved following you for all these years on LinkedIn. Um, if you want to, I know I gave a little bit of an introduction, but if you want to tell anybody listening a little bit more about yourself, um, yeah, what who who are you? What have you been doing in the space? <laughs> Yeah, so I'm a former college English professor turned instructional designer. I got my first ID job with NASA. And then from there have just kind of bounced around to different industries and organizations, tons of different, you know, like most of us, um, worked for a tire distributor, healthcare industry, the tech industry, and most recently have been in the customer education space for the last few years, helping with um, software and product training and things like that. And then, um, I, yes, I started a pandemic podcast that you've been on that you mentioned already the block. Um, and that's still going to this day. And so I think we're like 70 some episodes in at this point, which is pretty awesome. And so, yeah, I have that. Um, and then about a year ago, um, my partner, Matt Smith and I co-founded useful stuff. And right now it's a newsletter and website for L&D professionals, helpful resources for for L&D folks. Um, but the plan is to keep that going and growing and have some cohort-based courses and ebooks and and uh, self-paced courses and things like that in the future. I love it. And I, I remember when useful stuff started and I was just like, oh, that is, that is such a perfect <laughs> name because it... <laughs> It really is. Oh, is, is there a story behind it? We agonized over it. <laughs> we agonized over it. There was one point where um, I was like, okay, grab a book closest to you. 
like grab a book that means something to you and turn to this page and like give me a word like we spent so much time just like agonizing over what we'd call it and like I have these books right here that you can see behind me yep. that are like um really old copies of Anne of Green Gables that, oh. my, that are from my grandmother so like I picked like a really meaningful book and like <laughs> Like said, okay, here's my word, and then Matt just like picked a like silly book and yeah. picked like a really silly word, and I was like, you're not taking this seriously. <laughs> and so we just kind of landed like, what do we want this to be? Like, we want this to be useful stuff, and we're like, mm, what's wrong with that? Let's do that. <laughs> and there it was. Yeah, I, it's perfect, and I, and I think it really highlights a lot of what I feel like your whole persona your message is on on linkedin and on the podcast is is how do we take learning development how do we take talent development and make it more practical make it more useful yeah. to the business um and so with that you know i think the core of that really is metrics you know and and yeah. knowing how do we connect what we're doing to metrics of the business when i think back you know I know a lot of people when they think of learning and development, especially they, they think back to the last time they were in school. And mm. when I, you know, we can talk about why that's a false, a false connection, <laughs> but um, sure. you know, when I was in school, the metrics that mattered were scores. It was, it was grades on tests. Um, why doesn't that metric work in, in the corporate world? I mean, I would start by arguing that that doesn't work in the <laughs> K through 12 fair, world. Fair enough, fair but enough. But we we'll avoid that. We'll <laughs> okay. stay away from that whole whole conversation. But I mean, I mean, if you're looking at, let's think about a test score. Let's think about a hypothetical situation, right? Like someone comes to you and says, hey, we need to increase sales. Like we need your help with sales enablement. We need our salespeople to sell more, right? You might have a quiz at the end of an e-learning on, let's say, um, objection handling, sure. for instance, like how to have these sales conversations. And you might have a very low performing person and a very high performing person in your organization score the exact same. Yes. Right? Yes. They might know all of the right things to do, but like that may not be where the gap exists. Yeah. Right? So if we're looking at test scores and how people do on like the end of the training exam or, or things like that, we're not really getting an accurate measure of how they're doing their job. We're getting a measure of how they, how well their short-term memory yes. is functioning after they just took, took an e-learning, yeah. right? And that doesn't even account for like bad test questions. Like we don't even have to go down that road. Oh my goodness. Yeah, like, that's bad. What, yeah. In what year was such and such founded? <laughs> like that doesn't help anyone, yeah. right? So you've got these measures that don't really accurately accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. If the goal of something is we want to increase sales, that's where we need to start the journey and the search for those metrics. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, so I guess on that note, I mean, sale sales is a really clear example, but especially I, you know, this will probably your background in, in customer education is probably great with this. How do you think about finding those metrics then if, if the core things to learning, if like, you know, the test is a bad one. If participation is a really bad one, um, how, how do you go about finding the metrics that are going to make a difference? Yeah. So I think you bring up a really good point that I want to touch on first and like, you know, participation, engagement. We have these frameworks in L&D that are very prescribed, yes. right? 
and they're a lot, we become more learner centered, which I think is great, but we serve more than just our, our end audience, right? Like we also have stakeholders and SMEs that are involved and we also have our overall organization if you're full-time or our clients if you're freelance, right? And those people are important too. They're our audience too. And we yeah. so quickly forget about the metrics that are tied to what they need and yeah. what they're looking for, which is nine times out of 10, somehow connected to that learner audience anyway. So it's important to like look at the whole picture, right? So sometimes we don't care if our learners liked yes. an experience, yes. right? Like if it has to do with safety or like, you know, warehouse safety, everybody wearing their PPE, we don't care if you don't like the job aid or if you think it's pretty or not. We yeah. need it to be effective, yes. right? And so starting there, like what we really need to do and what I think is hard for new people is because we have Addy, right? And evaluation is at the end of the word. Yes. We automatically linearly organize metrics to be at the end. Yes. And that is totally bonkers to me because like they make the most sense at the beginning yes. in our needs analysis, right? If we think about our learning outcome as the overall goal, right? And typically it's somehow associated with the request that comes in, right? So in the example that I gave, like the goal, let's say we want to increase sales 15%, right? Like yeah. that's, that's what someone comes to us. They say, Hey, we have a company goal of increasing sales 15%. We need your help with this. Whatever objectives we create as we are trying to solve the problem, as we're looking for the gap, that's going to be our metrics, yes. right? And it lends itself to that, right? Like, if the goal is to raise sales, we have to find out what's the numbers currently and then how are we gonna fill that space? So it could be something that has nothing to do with us, right? So, you know, we talked about having a low sales performer and a high sales performer. Maybe the difference is that the high sales performer is selling to corporate accounts and the low sales performer is selling to nonprofits. Yeah. It's not even it's the same ballpark. Yeah. yeah. So or you know, in customer education, we see this a lot. They're giving something away for free during the sales conversation to help make the sale, right? So maybe yes. they're giving away a specific feature. A lot of times they give away training and certification for free. If that accounts for that 15%, well, there's an easy way to solve that problem right there that has nothing to do with us. Yeah. But maybe it's that people are not upselling or people are not able to explain the value of the product in a way that makes sense. And that's where we can then come in and say, okay, how are people explaining this currently? And then how do we get them to explain it better? And then how do we measure that? How do we measure that people are doing that? Do we record our sales calls? Can we compare the two? I mean, it's just there's so many different ways if we can use those problem solving and critical thinking skills to figure out what metrics make the most sense depending on the situation. Absolutely. And I think this is really important for any of the listeners. This is doubly important for any of the listeners who are not in L&D themselves, but are out in the business. Because I at least have found that a lot of times people out in the business, again, going back to this idea that they just think of school. So when they think of engaging with 
a training or a learning development team or doing some kind of intervention, the only thing that is in their head often is knowledge, is changing the knowledge level of yes. the people on their team. And so yeah. just asking, it's just simply like, what's the point? You know, what are you trying to do? What's the outcome that you're trying to achieve? Why do you think this knowledge is important? When you're, I guess, how often have you in your career or have you worked with other people had to navigate that discussion of, you know, how do you get the subject matter expert past that knowledge thinking into the, why does this matter thinking? What's the outcome thinking? It's almost every time, right? <laughs> yeah. Because we're we're in, you know, we're in this unique space where like you said, people have enough knowledge of what we do to be dangerous yeah. almost, yeah. right? Like they've had some experience with education or training, so they think they know something about it. Unlike, you know, something very technical or, you know, like finance. I'm never going to pretend I know anything no. about accounting for business. I've done my taxes, or, but I'm not doing right, corporate exactly. taxes. <laughs> or like web development. But people have opinions about training and education because yeah. they have an experience. Yeah. And so every time we walk into a room with a stakeholder or SME, we have that whatever those biases are, whatever those good or bad experiences are, mm -hmm. those things that we have to kind of get past, especially when someone has like an idea of like e-learning mm -hmm. and they're like, well, this has to be, we need an e-learning on such and such, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so we have to like move past, you know, those biases. We have to build a relationship with those people and ask the right questions to get to what you're saying, like the why. Why why does this information matter? Why is it important? What are we trying to accomplish here? I, I love everything you just said, because it really, honestly, for the first time connected in my mind, something that, you know, like when, when I'm training ma new managers, one of the things that I say is that when you get a new person on your team, for better or worse, when you first start your relationship, you are the worst manager they have ever had. Like they're, yes. they're taking that past knowledge of their worst experiences and applying it to you. And the whole process of become, of welcoming somebody on your team and being a good manager is showing them who you are, getting past those, those preconceived notions, building that relationship. And so the same exact thing is true when you are working with a new stakeholder or SME, like you are all of their worst training experiences. You, yes. you know, they're, they're coming to you with that. And there's such an opportunity there of like, let's just sit down and talk about, Hey, this, this, what have you experienced before? This is what I've done before. This is how we like to think about it at this company. I don't know of anybody that ever really takes the time to have those kinds of conversations. Yeah. Well, because it, and even if they do, sometimes it can seem like interrogation sure, too, right? Sure. Like doing a proper needs analysis. There's a lot of questions to ask. Mm -hmm. And I've actually found um, in my dissertation research where I talked to instructional designers about their experience, the strangest like anomaly in my research was two people telling the exact same story of how they tried to ask questions in a needs analysis, but didn't really have a relationship with the SMEs and didn't really have... Yeah the rapport or didn't really give enough context as to why they were asking all these yeah. questions. And the person got so defensive. And these are like two people who yeah. never met each other telling me the same story that the person that they were working with got so defensive that they asked for them to be taken off the project. Wow. And in both cases, the person was. And so I thought that that was wild that I found that in my research is like, 
to get the data that we need, we have to collaborate with people. We can't mm-hmm. just be number crunchers. We have to have conversations and like find out where the data is living, which also requires collaborating with other people in other departments and, yeah. you know, across across the organization. Yeah, it can sound really like an interrogation, you know, when you're doing it. And especially because <laughs> the root of all this, yeah. the reason always comes back to there is a performance gap somewhere. For sure. And it's, and so it can set like those questions. You're like, they're always going to turn to like, you are like, you're a bad manager for letting this happen, or you're not doing something or, you know, um, which (laughs) is not what you're trying to do. But if you don't have a relationship, that's how it's going to come off. Of course, even if it's an opportunity, right? Like we don't always have to solve problems. It could just be hey, we don't really offer anything for our new leaders and we're growing and it's about time that we start doing that. You yeah. know, it can still seem like, well, why are you asking me all these questions yeah. about our leaders? Yeah. You know. One other thing that you mentioned that I wanted to pick up on too is, you know, first there's the identifying the problem and then there's measuring the current state, like getting the yeah. numbers. And yeah. that's kind of a challenge in and of itself very often, isn't it? It is. It is. But a lot of times, if you figure out why the person is bringing to you this request, Mm -hmm. there's usually some hidden metric in there where they got the information from, Mm. even if it's just anecdotal, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Like, even if it's just, well, I had three managers last week tell me that they can't get their guys off the phone when they're supposed to be working on the floor. And so we're having a really bad problem with like people using their phones too much and, you know, this, that. So, you know, we just need people to be paying more attention. And so, you know, it's, it's a matter of, okay, well, how do you know this? And where is this coming from? Sometimes it's, you know, well, we have really bad leadership scores according to our employee engagement survey. There's a metric right there, right? Okay, well, we've got this. Yeah employee engagement score that's telling us this we've got the current state this is what we're going to go back and measure when we're when all is said and done right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and in situations where it is anecdotal how do you think about what what if there just really is no data where it's it's always been more of a feeling like can we take on any of that Do, do you ever find those situations yeah i mean (laughs) there a lot of times you'll have like someone new come in right a new leader Mm -hmm. and it's like um i don't know if you remember the show the magic school bus but like there's like this this student who's like at my old school we always did it this way right and you find those people in your workplace too where they're like we need to have a state-of-the-art two-day in-person um, leadership training for every new manager that comes through. Well, why? Well, because at my old place, we did it and it was really sure. successful, right? And so in those kinds of situations, if you can get your hands on like the end audience and get some information from them, even if it's just like casual survey, casual conversation, uh, you know, just uh, collecting stories, you know, I think it's fine to to do something based on someone's, you know, hey, we think this might be a problem, but we still have to talk to kind of the end audience and and see like, is it really a problem? And if not, like if it's just an opportunity and they're coming to us and saying like, hey, 
we want to, you know, do this because we think it could help or we think it could make an impact. Um, there's still different ways that we can find to measure the current state. Um, you know, if we, especially if we have access, access to our audience, that can be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, it's, it's a really, it, you know, it's always best when, like you said, in your investigation of the reasons for the request, you kind of uncover, oh, there is actual real data out there. Like that's, yeah. that's why sales is so great because they always have something. <laughs> yes. Sales and marketing. Yes. Marketing has like so much nowadays they have so much data, like everyone, right? Even help desk tickets, right? Like that's a great place where we can go to learn what our people are missing and where their skills gaps are and things like that. Performance data, like there's so many different areas. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but then if there isn't, then I do think kind of like you were saying, there are opportunities to, you know, it's not perfect, but, you know, do some surveys or do, you know, and like use that, you know, take the baseline. That That's why, I mean, that's honestly one of the reasons why putting that, as you said, that evaluation first is so essential because if you don't have a baseline, yeah. then you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And I know it's sometimes hard to like, sometimes you'll be told like, oh no, you can't go talk to the learners or, oh no, you can't go talk yeah. to but like, that's the whole reason why you make friends in your yeah. organization. That's the whole reason why, you know, um, you don't want to be so separate from the business in L&D because like the business is us too, right? Yeah. Like if we exclude ourselves from that, then we don't really have the opportunity to make an impact. And I was always going to my friends and other departments and being like, hey, let me pick your brain about this. Mm. Like you don't have to ask for permission to talk to a work friend about a situation, right? That's, that's such a great point because yeah, getting the true unvarnished truth from people of, yeah. Hey, we need training uh, you know, we're, we have this manufacturing problem, this quality problem that's always happening we need new training on it. And then you go talk to your friend. It's just like, no, we just like, don't have the right tools. They just, we keep yeah. doing workarounds. You're like, Oh, okay. And it's, mm -hmm. it can be really hard to, um, uncover that sometimes through formal channels. Yeah. Absolutely. But that, that's, is a, I was, I've had a couple of discussions where this has come up, just that the fact that L and D by its very nature is always cross department, cross functional. And so it's presents us with this amazing opportunity of being this like connective tissue for an organization, but that means you need to get out there and be, yeah. build that connective tissue because it doesn't just happen. You know, it's, it's the difference between like, you know, connective tissue and a cancer, <laughs> you know, if you yeah. don't have those relationships, then you're like a cancer coming in and like attacking and interrogating and, you know, have this, yeah. you know, or even just making the wrong thing all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you're yeah. just not meeting the needs and eventually the people in your organization, and I've, I've seen and heard of this happen a ton, they'll go somewhere else. The higher contractors. Oh my goodness, yes. Organizations will literally have an L&D team and yes. will hire contractors because they yes. found that their L&D teams are so hard to work with. <laughs> yes. And uh, though I do think that one, sometimes, not always, but one of the pitfalls that can make a team hard to work with is if they are so hard-lined about their needs analysis of having a yes. very specific way to do it. And that's why I think there's a very delicate balance, especially early on or when working with somebody new. I always say like the, 
you know, the best way to not be an order taker is to start by being good at taking orders. You have to start yes. by showing people, you know, when they come with to you with a course, you've never worked with this person before. They come to you wanting a course and you know, immediately, like that's, that's not the answer here, but maybe, maybe you lightly interrogate it and then just say, yes, yeah. and like, okay, let's do it. And like that first time you just kind of do it. And then, and then you, again, going back to, it's all about the relationship. It is. And it's, it's like parenting. You have to pick your battles, right? Yes, like yes. You have to, yes. over time, figure out, like, how serious is this on a scale of 1 to 10? Yeah. How much pushback should I give? But what I've also found is that if you have a solid process, like, if you have a solid needs analysis process in place for your team, or even if you don't and you come in new and you say, hey, here's what I propose our process is, if you say to people across your organization, oh, this is just part of our intake process, yeah, and you formalize it like that, people are far less likely to ask questions or make you fly past it or, you know, people honor processes That's true. in the corporate world. And so if you are like, this is our process, this is how we do things, this is... You get a lot further, I found. I think that's that's totally... I would totally agree with that. I've actually been slightly different kind of process, but when I've uh, created templates for people out in the business to use, I was expecting a lot of pushback and there was zero. Like they love it. When you, when you give templates, they love it. Even though you're (laughs) asking them to remake this work that they've already done in that, they still love it. Yeah. Cause you're giving clear expectations, right? You're setting very clear, like, Here's what the information I need to help you. And people like that because it's useful. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. So what, anything else we're missing around this whole metric thing? What, what, what haven't we talked about? What else is important here? I think the only other big thing, and, um, we're, we're building a useful stuff evaluation framework right now, um, because I was doing an ID coaching cohort and everyone was like, let's talk about evaluation and metrics. And let's talk about like, what are the most common frameworks and models out there? And I went back through all of my stuff from my PhD program in instructional design. And I was like, man, not only are a lot of these pretty archaic, but they're, and they're not designed for a very modern workplace where we have a million different options of how we can present information and do learning projects. But they're also all for like, they're the same exact thing no matter what you're creating. So Hmm. if you're creating a one page job aid to teach someone how to properly put back a piece of equipment, you have the same set of criteria Hmm. as a seven day long in-person leadership development training. And it just doesn't make much sense. No. So different metrics for different projects, right? And it really should be project dependent. Yeah, I think that's that's totally right. And we'll, it's great that you're building that out. We'll make sure to link to useful stuff in the description so that people can find it. Any anywhere else people should should look for you and connect with you. Um, you can connect. LinkedIn is probably the best place. If yeah. you connect with me on there, um, I'll link you out to all the other stuff that I do. So, excellent. Yeah, you um, you're very active on there. I always appreciate <laughs> it. Um, so yeah, I, I highly recommend whether you're in learning development or also outside of learning development. I think it's, again, it's all about being practical and helping our, helping the people out in the business. Um, 
highly recommend everybody everybody connect with you um well thank you so much for the discussion today i know this is always a huge topic um and i know you're always you're always super busy so thank you for thank you for taking the time yeah thanks for having me have a great day thank you so much for tuning in today if you liked the discussion make sure to hit like and subscribe so you never miss an episode as a reminder, if your team is struggling keeping up with the training development demands of your organization, we want to help. Better Everyday Studios is a full-service instructional design team that can help you with everything from ideation to actual content creation and delivery. Please reach out to us using the link in the episode notes below. Have a great day.